ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network.
down. You know, I'm not a uh, I'm not a stockbroker, so I'm, I'm lost for term. So let's just <laughs> let me put let me simplify it like this. He said we're going to go have another uh, turn down in the uh, in the market. You thought it was uh, the lowest it was going to be. Well, he has it on good information that we haven't seen the bottom yet. And whereas uh, it may look like the stock market, Wall Street is rebounding. In fact, someone told me the other day they said, "I think I'm going to get into stocks again." And I was thinking, what? Haven't we learned our lesson? Well, Tony Robbins says, uh, don't be fooled, because uh, from the information that he has, it's uh, it's going to collapse. And uh, if you have your money in it, you're going to lose it. So uh, I sent that uh, link out to the friend who had told me he wanted to invest, you know, in hopes that maybe I can uh, keep him from uh, crashing and burning. Now, what was the source that Tony Robbins had? for this insider information. Well, it goes on to mention that uh, one of the uh, clients that he's done consulting work for is a guy that uh, has actually made money in previous collapses of the market when it crashed. And following the guy's advice, Tony has actually bought and sold when this guy has instructed him to, and he's followed the advice, and he's always made money. But... uh, the word he's hearing this time is uh, we're getting ready for a big drop. And, you know, uh, the, just the fact that Tony didn't keep that information to himself, but he went out and he's willing to uh, share the warning. You know, I say praise God for the man. Let's pray for him. I don't know uh, what his relationship is with Christ, but, you know, uh, I do know that uh, he mentions the word God and just the fact that he would uh, try to do what he could, I say that's a... That's a good thing that he did. So let's pray for Tony Robbins. Well, that's not the only guy who is uh, is sounding the alarm right now. I talked with another gentleman the other day whose name I will not mention, but uh, he knows a billionaire who works for one of the 15 so-called trillionaires in the world. There's reported 15 to some say 17 trillionaires in the world. And this guy that uh, my friend knows works for one of the billionaires, and the billionaire called him up and said, uh, all bets are off, I'm pulling the plug, I made the money I want to make, uh, I'm going underground. And when I got this call, the guy said, uh, I think I'm fixing to throw in the towel. I think I'm going to um, basically say adios, and I'm going to take the same advice and kind of shut down what I'm doing, which is, you know, he does a um, radio program, and he says, uh, I'm going to uh, just consider, you know, I've done the job warning and it's over with. And, of course, I listened to what he said, and maybe the the insider has some information that's accurate, you know, with regards to the market. But I told my brother, I said, you're in the ministry, okay? You're not uh, in the secular world, and uh, if God has called you to do something, you know, we can't uh, knee-jerk just because of what's going on around us we have to focus in on the Lord and walk by faith, not by sight. And you've been called into the battle. You can't throw down the sword and run. That would be going AWOL. Okay, they court-martial people like that in wartime. They shoot them. What do you think God's going to do to you? could be turned over to be a reprobate. You could miss out. You could, you could be uh, part of those that fall away. You cannot do that. It says that uh, if you put your shoulder to the plow and 
and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. So I, I talked to him, and I, uh, I encouraged him, and I said, you know, brother, uh, don't throw in the towel. These things may be upon us, but uh, we've got to work while it's still light. We've got to do the Lord's work, and we've got to put our faith and trust in him. We can't trust in horses and chariots, as some do. Bible says we can't uh, go down to Egypt for our help. It says you will trust in the Lord thy God. So I said, um, hang in there, keep the faith. As my grandmother says, the faith will keep you. Well, you know, you look back at 1929, the stock market collapse. The world changes. You have uh, Wall Street investors, stockbrokers, literally jumping out of their windows and and diving to their death. The shock of, uh, you know, their job's over with, their whole world has changed, come to an end, was too much. And uh, what did they do? They they committed suicide. Um, I've heard of similar stories, even as the collapse is taking place, you know, over the last two to three years, it started to build in intensity. And, uh, you know, when people put their faith and trust in man, and uh, don't have the hope of Jesus Christ, you know, it can be disheartening. And it does say in these last days, men's hearts will fail them for the fear of what's coming. So it's a, you know, it's a sober warning that, uh, you know, we've got to uh, lock in our faith. We've got to focus on the Lord and not look necessarily at what's going on in the surroundings or you might have a panic attack, you know. When things start to change, you've been accustomed to. And uh, we've got to remember that uh, greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. And God is able to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, like the Word says. So I'm just kind of laying a little bit of a foundation. You know, um, you may hear one story if you turn on the mainstream news. You know, uh, if you were to listen to Kramer, you know, um, some of these other uh, analysts, they'll say, well, you know, we've seen the worst. Things are on the up climb now, and it's going to only get better. Folks, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a delusion. Okay, and what it is, it's merely a cover story to allow the elite <clears throat> to get all their resources out of the system into offshore safe havens. Even Kevin Trudeau has uh, said a little bit about this. And, um, you know, he's one of the elite. He runs in the circles of the elite. Now, he will come out and, you know, he's done his, um, you know, cures that they don't want you to know about and things like that. He'll, he'll, he will uh, release some information into the public domain. And, and he'll also, as he's been interviewed on Alex Jones before, tell you he's, you know, been on yachts, been to the, uh, you know, races in Monaco, sitting next to some of the world's elite and, you know, they'll be out there relaxing, and then they'll just uh, talk about some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, you know, just casually. And, you know, he, he will drop hints. Point is, the folks, these people know what's going on. They've been preparing. The governments have been preparing. They know that uh, some hard times are upon us. Um, I don't know what the trigger effect's going to be. You know, they say uh, Iran and Israel, you know, war is imminent. Maybe it is. Maybe it's going to be delayed a little bit. We just don't know. Some were saying it was going to happen even in the last two weeks. 
But, you know, we really don't have control over these events, okay? What can you do about it? You can pray, okay? Let me let me say that you can pray, and yes, one man or one woman can make a difference. You can bind and loose uh, these demonic spirits that are working behind the scenes, so you definitely want to do that. But I'm saying in general, you know, um, there is a uh, a timeline, and these things have to come to pass. Um, and, you know, it's not a surprise to God. It's all within his perfect timing. But uh, where will you and I be during all this? What is going to be our response? So, you know, just some things are just too big for us to even deal with. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even do any good to try to fret over it because what could you do to change it? If there's going to be a war, there's going to be a war. Um, there is a uh, move afoot right now to cripple the economy. It didn't just start. It just went back several uh, administrations back to uh, at least when Bush Sr. came on the scene after Reagan and he announced the birth of the New World Order. And it's been carried out through all these guys, Bush Jr., Clinton, Obama. And look, I'm not um, pointing my finger at any one of these guys. They all work for the same command and control structure, focus called the shadow government. It's called the Illuminati. Um, and, you know, it has its compartments. It has the uh, the Federal Reserve which is not a federal-owned bank. It's a privately-owned bank made up of board members, um, most of which are foreign nationals. And uh, they they print this money. It has no gold and silver backing. And, uh, you know, they go out there and they lend it to the American government. And I get I think I guaranteed 6% interest a year on it. So regardless of what's going on, they're always going to get their money. And they control the, the economy with that. And now the uh, the dollar is becoming, you know, worth less and less. They they say, well, it's it's better than the euro, folks. It's it's temporary, okay. Uh, when you have an economy that's not backed in gold or silver, it's just a matter of time before it's going to implode. And you have to ask yourself, why is Russia, why is China, why is India buying up all the gold and silver it can? Why are they encouraging their citizens to do that? Why have we never had an audit of the uh, Fort Knox? Do we really have gold in there? Do we have a, a partial amount, or do we have uh, bricks that have been painted with gold paint? No one really knows. It's all conjecture. But the truth of it is, uh, there has been a plan for some time to cripple the economy, starting with the financial system, um, where people lose their jobs and lose their homes and lose everything that they've worked for. Their retirements are gone. And then you basically have tent cities popping up. When the riots start to, to take place, when... Um, the promises that were made do not materialize. People say, well, hey, you promised me. That's why I voted for you. You know, you, you lied. Uh, where's my jobs? Where's where's my ha- where's my loan? Where's my house? Um, I can't even send my kids to school. You know, uh, when all these promises start to implode and people get angry enough and, you know, there'll be some spark, then you have writing going on. Then you have the fulfillment of Dimitri Dudeman and he saw the uh, Civil War break out in America, and as uh, the government was busy dealing with the internal riots that were going on, our enemies, Russia, the Spetsnaz troops, they sabotage our nuclear power plants. And then we have a Red Dawn invasion. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty bleak um, outlook, folks. You know, it talks about over in Jeremiah 50 and 51, in time Babylon, America, um, the richest nation of all time, 
you know, that uh, sold its wares to all the nations. And, you know, in, in one hour, we're destroyed over Revelation 18.4. Now, I don't know how much time we've got before that time. I think we still have several years to go. But uh, it's going to happen in stages. And you're going to have the crash of the economy. You're going to have wide unemployment. You're going to have famine. You're going to have um, a whole host of plagues poured out against this country to include to include persecution of the saints. Now, the word talks about people being offended for the faith. What does it mean to be offended? It means persecution comes and uh, you don't like it. You don't want to be persecuted. You didn't sign up for that. You told you were going to fly out of here on the first uh, flight out. And, you know, all those terrible things that is talked about in Revelation is only for those people that are left behind. Folks, get in the Bible and read it. I, I was taught to believe that my whole life. I was raised in the church where they, they taught the rapture doctrine that we could get out at any moment. You know, you you, you could be uh, cutting your yard and all of a sudden, boom, you're gone and the lawnmower is running. And you find an airplane and uh, if the pilot was saved, he would be taken out and you would crash if you weren't, you know, die if you weren't saved. Folks, it can't be. There's certain things that have to happen. Jesus cannot come at any second. They would say, he could come before you leave here tonight. Folks, it can't happen. There's certain legal parameters before the return of Jesus Christ Yeshua. One of which, there's got to be a great falling away in the Antichrist. The son of perdition has to appear. Last time I looked, he hasn't made himself known yet. Okay, so if he hasn't made himself known, then how could we possibly get caught out of here in the next five minutes? Okay? There's certain things that have to happen, and if you go look at the signs that would, you know, the, the disciples asked Jesus that would happen before he returned, one of them is they'll deliver you up before the synagogues and they'll put you to the death. That hasn't happened here in America yet. Now, if you go tell the Chinese that they're going to be raptured out, or those in Darfur that are getting burned up, burned alive in the churches when they go to church on Sunday, or you know, all the the, the millions that died in Russia during the Stalin purges, they would have said, "You're crazy. What rapture?" Uncle uh, Bob, they arrested him. We we haven't heard from him in weeks. Aunt Sally, they took her off to Siberia. Folks, this is a uh, a fabrication. Okay, from the uh, Western Gentile mind, it, it's not doctrinally based. The early church did not hold to this. It's it's only been invented in maybe the last 150, 200 years. And so the, the point is, is there's going to be some great persecution, upheaval. Um, Christians will be the new terrorist. If you're a patriot, a Christian, a Jew, you know, you're anti-government. The FBI even has a uh, a term for it, you know. They they have a project, called, I believe it's called Project Megiddo. Go Google that one. You'll see who they term as a terrorist. They've already said it. You get away with everything if you're a Muslim, but if you mention the word Jesus Christ... Uh, you know, you have no rights. I, my show is not about the coming persecution of the saints, okay? But I just wanted to kind of lay this uh, groundwork. It's It's got to get worse before it gets better. If I'm wrong and we get out of here sooner, well, then praise God. I'll race you to heaven. But uh, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you as a servant greater than the master. And we'll do a show on the, on the four uh, roads that you can take. Um, you know, do you want to be part of the great falling away? You want to pick up the sword and try to fight in the flesh? If you do, you're going to have to die by the sword. There's going to be some that uh, are going to you know, try to fight with an AR-15. Uh, do you want to uh, 
be caught off guard and get rounded up and get a one-way ticket into a FEMA concentration camp like those poor souls that went into the Superdome. They went in and they didn't get out for two weeks. In this scenario, you don't get out. They take your life within 10 days, according to Revelations 2. Or do you want you want to watch and pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things, see the sign of the Son of Man coming. You want to see the return of Jesus. There'll be some that'll make it. And there'll be some that will be uh, required to lay their lives down and be martyred, beheaded. There's countless numbers that were beheaded for the faith. They washed their robes. Um, we're going in that time, folks. And uh, pretty soon, we'll, it'll be evident to us all and we'll know it. But, excuse me, that all being said, um, how do we make it? Well, number one, we've got to make the decision that regardless of what happens to us, that we will not compromise and we will not uh, deny Christ. If you can uh, steal yourself now, like a, you know, harden yourself right now when you resolve and say, if this happens, I'm not going to deny Christ. And you say, you know, some bad things are probably going to happen before the return of the Lord. It's going to be a bumpy road. And you get that mindset now. When it comes, it's not going to be a shock. Okay? The shock comes when it hits you totally out of left field and you were not even expecting it. You say, whoa, what do you mean? I didn't expect that. Then, you know, you're like one of those guys in the stock market in 1929. They jump out of the windows. They they panicked and they didn't see it coming. And it was such a shock to the system that they jumped to the desk. Now, uh, Peter makes a good note. Um, God always sends a warning before he sends judgment. And that's the job of the prophet out there. And uh, before some of you say, yeah, I want to be a prophet. Uh, also, I want to say, <laughs> folks, most of the prophets, they usually die horrible deaths. Okay, They've been sawed apart. They've been uh, put down in vats of oil. And, you know, look, that's a hard calling. Okay, are you really sure? Be sure that's what you want before you ask for it. <laughs> but my point is, is the prophets have been warning of judgment. And this nation didn't repent, folks. It could have done that after September 11th. It did not repent. And so God works on the science of judgment. You have the cup of iniquity, as Dr. Jonathan Hansen explained it. Your sins start to fill the cup up. The nation sins. When it gets to where it's overflowing, God has to judge or the innocent would perish. We've murdered too many children for for God to turn back now in his judgment. We've raised up our hands in defiance and said, God bless America. And then we go back to sleep and to our sinful ways. Did we call this nation to repentance like the king of Nineveh did when Jonah preached? If we had, we could have been spared, folks. Maybe we could have gotten more time. But uh, I've had a chance to sit right across from some of the greatest prophets of modern time, and I asked him point blank, you know what's coming. Why are you here in America? And uh, Dr. Hansen told me, he said, God called me back here. I had no choice. I was in Kenya. Didn't really want to come back here, but he called me. And I know what's coming, and I have no choice but to obey. And Michael Boldea, which gave his testimony, a true prophet of God, in the footsteps of his grandfather, Demetri Dudeman, he says, I can't leave the country, not unless God were to tell me to. He's told me this is where he wants me to be. Not what I want to do. I'd like to be with my wife. But God has drafted me. And he said, I'll lose my reward. And what do you do? Do you obey God or not? If you don't, you're a rebellious child. So those have been a sobering thought to me. Well, the good news is, is God always brings a warning. He has warned, and there are certain things that we can do. 
Okay, and that's that's the point of this show. And uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Omega Man Radio. This uh, show was not going to happen tonight. I was going to take the night off. We've been broadcasting all week. I was on uh, ISAB Radio. But I said, you know what? Let me fire up the uh, terminal and let's do a program. I hope you have your coffee with you. I'm drinking uh, Colombian Blend, real half and half, and raw turbinado sugar in my special cup. Those of you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's a glass cup from Tivana, and I love this thing. I put my uh, coffee, my tea, everything in this thing. Okay, so I'm sipping. If you hear me slurp a little bit, I'm sipping as we're talking tonight. I'm not putting on any airs, folks. This is uh, blog talk radio. Okay, this is not Larry King. Um, how can you make it during hard times? Well, let's look at the biblical uh, perspective. What happened in times past? God sent a warning. Okay. What did Joseph do? Joseph was pulled out of prison after two years. He was elevated by being faithful, okay, to number two in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And um, he did his job. You know, he worked as unto the Lord. Maybe he didn't like where he was at, being separated from his 11 brothers and his father, who thought he'd been murdered, eaten by a lion. But uh, he remained faithful. God elevated him, and God used him to save his family when a dearth was all throughout the land. And uh, you know the story. He gets a dream. Seven years, I think actually the Pharaoh got the dream, and Joseph interpreted it. And what was the dream? There'd be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, okay? And yes, I like uh, sweet tea with lemon and a bag of uh, Ruffles chip if you've got them. I, I actually don't drink coffee all the time. I just, uh, you know, I'll make a cup and I sip it. It gets cold, and I realize I've only drinking a quarter of it, and I had to throw it out. I guess I need one of those heaters. So really, I've only had maybe one full cup today. Well, back to the story. Joseph is wise. He follows the instructions of the Lord. They put back, uh, some say it was corn, others say it was wheat. Okay, I, I, believe, it was, I believe it was corn. Uh, they put it back for seven years. What'd they do? They did what God commanded them to do, and then the seven years of famine hits. And it tells the story of people came, got in line, and um, they paid for rations of corn until their money ran out. Then what they do, they you know, they uh, basically traded their cattle in. When all the cattle were gone, what did they do? They sold themselves into slavery. And uh, through his obedience and doing what God wanted him to do, Joseph's family were saved. And as you know, they moved into Goshen and God sustained them. It was all part of God's plan. So, I'm going to nuke it right now. <laughs> Rando. Um, except I don't like microwaves. You know, that actually rearranges the molecules. Uh, I hear that Russia banned their microwave. So uh, I'll use it occasionally for some popcorn, but to tell you the truth, I don't even own one right now. Uh, I don't like microwave food. My grandfather will take a hot coffee, and what he'll do is he'll take the coffee... And it'll be hot. You just bought it for him, maybe, up at the McDonald's or Starbucks, Star Sucks. And then he'll take it and immediately put it in the microwave, and he nukes it. What's up with that? Okay, so back to the famine. Let me get focused here. Uh, 
they they put back uh, food for seven years and they sustain their family. Okay, Noah built an ark to the saving of his family, stocked it, and in eight days, I mean, uh, eight people were saved. And um, he obeyed the word of the Lord, believed the warning, and took action. Okay? That's another example of someone stocking stocking up. You have uh you have Joseph, Mary's husband. What do they do? They take the frankincense and the myrrh and the gold that the wise men gave and they went down to Egypt and they went down there for about three years and lived off of that, you know. Um they were directed by God what to do. You know, God will tell you what to do if you listen. It says, you know, God speaks once, twice, three times, yet man comprehendeth it not as he's laying on his bed. Paraphrased. God speaks, but do we tune in to the frequency in here? You know, there's many channels broadcasting. You've got God, you've got Satan, and you've got even your human flesh. We've got to uh, focus in, though, on what God is saying, and then when he tells us to do something, we must be obedient. Okay? That's the key that we had in the last show. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Let me repeat that again. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If we obey God, even though we say, God, why would you ask me to do that? Well, you must ask yourself, is God not the most intelligent being of all? It says he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Omniscient means he's all-knowing. God created everything that was created, it says. So are we going to say, God, I don't know if I trust you, because maybe you're wrong? I mean, analyze it, and that's what we're really saying when we don't want to obey. Or we just say, I don't want to do it. I don't like what you want me to do. You know, uh, folks, there is a responsibility that we have as a children of God to obey our Heavenly Father. And there is a consequence for not doing so. Well, so I've told you how God can instruct you to take particular action uh, that can carry you through hard times. Am I saying that I'm a uh, proponent of putting back food? I don't think it's a bad idea, folks. Um, I think it says the prudent man seeth destruction before and hideth himself. So if God has blessed you with a little bit of extra income, put back a little bit of food. I mean, you know, bottom line is you can eat it. Uh, you can help those that don't have any at all. And uh, they might come and take it away. Maybe uh, the government will declare that as hoarding if you had a couple extra bags of rice. But, um, you know, it also might give you some extra lifeblood. There's clearly a biblical um, basis and precedent for doing that. Okay? But I don't have much money. You know, folks, listen, if you can afford to go out to eat, you can probably afford to skip that uh, dinner one week and go down and buy a bag of rice. You'd be surprised how long you can live on a bag of rice and tuna fish. Okay? Look at the ants. That's right. They prepare. They go out and stock up. And they, they work all summer. And then they have something to eat during the wintertime. Well, I'm going to just trust God. Folks, if you want to take that, then why don't you stop buying food right now and trust him to send manna to you from heaven. That's foolish. Now, when it comes down to the point where he calls you to go into the wilderness 
and uh, you run out of all the supplies like the children of Israel did after three days, and you're forced into a situation where you have no means whatsoever to eat, and God is going to supernaturally supply your needs according to his riches and glory. If you're walking according to him, you're not in disobedience. Yes, he can do that, but he expects us to use our brain, and some are meant to be the Joseph for even their families. Maybe you're the only one that thinks like this. Everybody else thinks you're crazy. Oh, well, Y2K came and gone and went, and it didn't happen. Folks, I believe that uh, God gave us more time. And I also know many stories of people who had food back then, and then they lost their job and then lived off of it. So it's a prudent thing to put back a little bit of extra food. Understand that if there's any disruption in the food supply, we're on a just-in-time inventory system, and... They only have a 30-day supply of food back in the warehouses. So when your local grocery store gets hit, everybody wipes it clean after three hours, and there's nothing left. And if the trucks can do a resupply, they're going to have a minimum amount of uh, ability to put food back on that shelf before there's nothing else coming in. Okay? Do not trust in your government to take care of your needs. Okay? There is no contingency plan for you and I. Now, before you tune me off, I speak from experience, folks. I know the largest freeze-dry supplier in the country, one that uh, has supplied military contracts, government contracts. They'll give them a call. They'll say, meet me down on the tarmac. We're sending in a FEMA jet, and I want everything you got. We'll have the forklift waiting, and we're going to offload it into our Hercules jet. Okay, we're taking it all now. I was told in 2005 the government was running freeze-dry machines around the clock. These are the ones that make the long-term storage, long-term storage foods, folks. And they were taking them, putting them, in, putting them into underground bunkers. And I'm talking high-quality protein, protein food, you know, chicken, steaks. There are bunkers all over the country, and it's not for you and I. Okay, the civil defense system was disbanded under Clinton. You remember all the um, underground bomb shelters they used to have in the 60s at a place you could go in every city? And you would go in, and uh, that's where you would take shelter, and they had food and provisions. Folks, those were all disbanded. Everything was carted off, sold off. There is nothing in place for you and I except a concentration camp. If you have to get into a FEMA food line and wait for your handout of a bottle of water and an MRE, once you get in those lines, they have control of you. And believe me, it's more nefarious than you think. There is a plan to imprison mass numbers of American citizens. Why? Because America is all that stands in the way of the New World Order plan of total domination of this planet. We still have weapons here in this country. And I'm not telling you to take up arms. I'm just merely saying they've got to disarm the public. There's got to be a a contrived chaos event triggered a false flag operation. They're going to blame it on patriot groups, and they're going to come for your guns. They're going to disarm America, and once you've been disarmed, it's all she wrote, folks. The sad part of it is this is in God's plan. We're under judgment, and he's sending our enemies against us just as he sent Nebuchadnezzar against Israel. Prophet Jeremiah warned them that they were going to go into captivity. They decided to fight with the arm of the flesh. They were destroyed. 
The king had all of his kids killed before his very eyes. Then they poked his eyes out, and they put him in jail. And he spent the last of his days, and he died in jail. And they still took the remaining survivors into captivity for 70 years. Okay? So don't believe the false prophets which say, uh, God bless America, God is, loves this country, uh, God is, we're under the blessings of God, the economy is coming back. Folks, we're under the judgment of God. So back to the point, why did I entitle this program Three Ways That You Can Prosper During Hard Financial Times? Let me get to it. As you know, I can take four hours to get to my point. That's why one hour of radio just does not suffice, guys. I don't know if I can do shortwave with one hour uh, when that day comes. <laughs> so I got to thinking back to some personal experience. And, uh, you know, I've told the story many times. I've been a pauper, and I've been wealthy. Um, I'm not wealthy now. I'm back to pauper. <laughs> but uh, the good thing is when the Lord did bless me, I did, I did do ministry, so praise God for it. I've got some stuff up on my books in, in heaven. God does keep a good record, folks. So remember, whatever you give to God's ministry, he remembers. Well, so I've had 35 cents to my name, and then God has also blessed me at times with a business that uh, gave me the opportunity to do a lot of things I wanted to do. And I can tell you that um, it pays to obey. Had I not obeyed when the Lord told me to leave Costa Rica and show me the pills of fire vision, and within 48 hours, uh, he confirmed it with uh, two volcanic eruptions I saw on CNN live as Mount St. Helens erupted in 2004 in Colima, Mexico. Go Google those. I got the warning 48 hours before it happened. Now, why was that? God was trying to get my attention. And he put me into a situation that was impossible for me to get out of. I said, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but I still can't do it without the finances. And uh, I said, I've got to sell everything that I've got to be able to move. And uh, within 72 hours of being willing to obey the Lord, I sold everything and made a little profit on it. I sold my furniture and sold a uh, forerunner I had at the time. And I had friends that were still trying to get out of the country, and they couldn't leave because they hadn't sold their car. and had been on the market six weeks. I had mine sold in 72 hours. That was a miracle of God. He will confirm things for you. God tells you to do something. Ask for a confirmation. And uh, the volcano did not erupt in Costa Rica at that time. I believe it is going to come. But the point of this story is I have I have failed God's test in the past, and praise God I did not fail this time, or I don't know what would have happened to me. And uh, I told a little bit of the story in the last show. Uh, God took the obedience and turned around and gave me a blessing. And through that I was able to do a lot of uh, work in the kingdom and help a lot of people. And I praise God for that opportunity. He can't trust everybody. God's not going to give you something that's going to destroy you, folks. God, just please give me a million. If you can't manage it, do you think he's going to give it to you? If it would destroy and send you to hell, don't pray for it. It's not God's will. And it ended up destroying you. And if you can't manage what you got now, will he trust you with more? That's something that always goes through my mind. We've got to be good stewards of what he's given us. So, I mean, I've seen both sides of the fence, and I would much rather have money than to be living day to day like I do now. But, uh, you know, uh, God giveth, God taketh it away. It raineth on the just and unjust. And, you know, there's periods of prosperity and there's periods of famine. You know, and it was on the whole land. It wasn't just on Egypt. So what am I saying in all this? 
where am I going with this? I'm saying, number one, you want to be obedient. Number one, first to whatever the Lord says. And what is he saying? Well, number one, we need to look at what does he say in his word. There's a whole list of things that we should be doing in the word. You don't necessarily have to wait and ask, you know, wait for God to give you some dream or vision. Now, he can do that, and he will do do that, and he'll speak to you through prophets. But we already have some stuff that we should be doing, and it's in the Word of God. So we need to get into the Word, get in the Scripture daily, read it or play it on a, an iPod, and, and let this go into your brain. And uh, you get an instruction, do it. So uh, I've been meditating on how can someone make it. We've got uh, Tony Robbins saying the collapse is coming. I talked to a guy who uh, works for one of the 15 trillionaires in the world. He's running for the hills. You've got others who said, oh, man, prosperity's back. I'm going to jump into the stock market. I'm trying to sort all this out. Well, I know that hard times are, are ahead, folks. We have not hit the total bottom yet. And when this happens... Uh, people's lives are going to change. If they were not prepared for it mentally, spiritually, physically, then many of them are going to fall away. Many of them are going to jump out of, jump off rooftops to their death. I mean, it's going to be tragic. I'm just trying to tell you, wake up. Uh, we haven't seen the worst yet. But the good news is we do have Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you're screwed because you have no hope. When you When you hit bottom, who's going to help you get up? I mean, we've got the uh, the creator of the universe, which is our Father and His Son, our King of Kings, on our side. If, and they'll meet your needs, folks. says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Remember that. That's a promise to the believer. So, okay, let me, let me get to the point here. I came up with a, a concept. How can you be sure that you'll prosper during hard times? Well, before I give it to you... Um, I had a business that went really strong from 2004 uh, till about 2007. I, I was an herbal formulator. God gave me an idea for a uh, an herbal product that uh, before it was released, uh, no one could have known it was going to be big. And I, I had no idea. I just was uh, looking for the next best thing, and God gave me the idea one day. I told some friends they thought I was stupid, and and then you know I thought I had missed God, and I find myself over in Cartagena, Colombia. The night before my birthday, November 21st, 2004, I'm depressed. I said, God, I've missed you. I'm way over here in, in South America, for goodness sakes. I'm an American living in a foreign country where all they do is they speak Spanish around me. And uh, that's a fast way to learn a language, folks, immersion. <laughs> and I, I love the people of Latin America. I mean, they're good people. But my point is, I was over there, and I said, man, I surely have missed God. I was so depressed. I went out, and I came back in. My head was down, and... But, you know, I said, God, I need your help or I'm not going to make it. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. You've got to be at that point, folks. Be willing to obey whatever God tells you to do. And I had done that, and I said, well, man, what's what's next? And that's the story that uh, I checked my computer, and a friend says, turn on CBS 60 Minutes. They're talking about that Hootia product that you, uh, you developed. And lo and behold, they were doing a documentary on this uh, cactus that grows out of Africa, a product that I had already made. And I uh, was one of the first to bring it on the market. And I turned on my Google ads at night, and it was like the windows of heaven opened up. I had this sound effect programmed into uh, the computer. To where every time I got an email, it would go cha-ching. And uh, the emails I was expecting to get were orders. You would get an order confirmation, an email, 
if you if an order came through. So I ran my Google ads and started going cha-ching, cha-ching, ching, cha-ching, ching, 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 ching. I thought I had hit the lottery in um, one of the slot machines. It sounded like the coin just coming from heaven. And what God was doing is He was rewarding obedience. I had sacrificed everything I had, and I had done what everybody said was crazy. They thought I lost my mind. What do you mean a volcano is going to erupt? You're selling everything, and you're moving where? Columbia? You'll get over there, and they'll kidnap you. And I said, God told me to do it. You know, if I stay around, I could be like Pompeii. You know, they didn't get out. Volcano hit. Well, I believe that time's coming. But back to the point I'm trying to make here. Um, I obeyed God, and he rewarded it. And I can tell you, it pays to uh, trust God. I'm not saying he'll make you a millionaire. Uh, I'm saying that he will meet your needs according to his riches and glory, and he has a plan for you and I. And if we'll obey, we will be able to fulfill the plan. He has some good things for you, folks. He's just looking for people who can be obedient. There's not many people that are willing to say, God, not my will, but thy will be done, like Jesus said to his Father. So that's number one. And, you know, God did some great things. But then I find myself in 2007, the economy's starting to collapse. It's going downhill. And I started to get impacted. I used to could count on a certain level of sales every day. And literally, it was financial manna from heaven. Uh, I told a guy this the other day. I, I couldn't. I couldn't explain it, but we would get about the same amount of sales every day. I said, "This is impossible. You're going to get sales, yes, but the same amount every day. I mean, literally, it was within, you know, uh, about the same every day. It went on like a year and a half. You know, God prospered, and I made a I made a pledge to God a long time ago. I said, God, if you ever bless me financially, use me as a conduit because I will help those." who have not had the platform to preach the truth that some of these televangelists have. And, and so God uh, turned me on to ministries like uh, Dr. Jonathan Hanson, World Ministries, Michael Bolday, Hand of Help, Jerry Golden Ministries, uh, Messiah's Branch. And uh, whatever I took personally, I said, God, I'm going to give you my 10%, but then I'm going to give you another 10%, which is the offering. You know, there's tithes and offerings. Tithes is your 10%. Offerings is anything above that. There's also a first fruits offering, and I'm not an expert on all that, but I just said, you know what, I want to cover it with an extra 10%. And uh, I was able to do a lot of great things for the Lord because of what he had blessed me with. Had he not done that, I I would have been, been very limited. But uh, I'm glad I passed that test and I was not greedy. Well, people were biting the dust left and right, losing homes, and we were even getting hit, and I saw a decrease in sales, but... I went out one day, and I was thinking about it. I said, Dear God, we're, we're, what's going on with this country? We've got this bailout going on. And I said, uh, What's the future, Father? And it was God brought this verse back to me. He that lendeth to the poor lendeth to God, and God will repay. And God said, The reason you're still alive is because you have blessed the poor. And I said, Whoa, that's a key right there. I need to remember that. And folks, that is that is one of the keys tonight uh, that I want you to understand. If you want to prosper in hard times, a couple things that I have gleaned. I've been there and I've done it. And uh, I've been on both sides. I've had 35 cents of my name. I had a company one time that did $10 million in gross sales. Now, that was gross sales. But, I mean, I've seen both sides of the fence. And I've also seen people destroyed. God won't trust you with, with something that's going to destroy you. Or if you just run off and heap it on yourself. Um, God hasn't called us all to be 
millionaires. He can do it. But then, as I was talking to a brother the other day, if you're saying, God, bless me financially, what I think he really wants to know is, what are you going to do with it if he, he does? You should really talk to God about that and say, God, okay, if, if you bless me financially, that I can go out there and help some people, this is what I'll do. And you can't lie to God, folks. He will read your heart. Okay? It's the heart that caused him to love David so much. David was a man after his own heart. God will look at your heart and know if you're lying or you're telling the truth. And if you're sincere, uh, don't be surprised. God could open up some awesome doors. But then if he does, you need to do what you promised to do. Don't be greedy. It says when you bring your tithes in the storehouse of God, God will rebuke the devourer. You know, Satan goes around. He wants to, to kill you, steal from you, and destroy you if he can. That's his goal. So... Uh, Am I being braggadocious here tonight? No, I'm not. I'm just trying to tell you uh, I've seen both sides of the fence. I've been so poor I could not afford a broom to sweep my floor. And I don't exaggerate, folks. And um, those were not good times. And then I've been blessed. Um, then I, then I, I've seen the business totally collapse. And I said, God, what happened? <laughs> I thought I was being blessed. Well, God didn't tell you he's going to bless you forever. But, you know, you've got to be a good steward of what you got and thank God for what he does do and, and realize uh, that um, it's not about that anyway. It's about, uh, you know, being a good steward of what you've got and, got and work with what you got. And, um, you know, God will make, he'll open the right doors for you. But back to the point I wanted to make tonight. I came up with a couple concepts that I think uh, could help not only myself and but others that are listening out there tonight. To prosper during these hard times. I call it three ways to prosper in hard times. Let me get to the point. Okay. Number one, give to the poor. Say, well, wait a minute. I thought you were going to tell me some money-making opportunity. Folks, this is right out of the Bible. This is the probably the best money-making uh, plan of all time. Let me read uh, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-seven. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack... But he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Okay? Proverbs 19.17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Folks, I can testify that. I've seen that firsthand. As I bless the poor and, and some of these other areas that we're going to talk about, I saw the blessings of God return. And, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. What am I talking about by the poor? I'm talking about anybody who uh, is less fortunate than you. There's families out there that uh, they don't know what they're going to eat tonight. I'm talking about the uh, the orphans. I'm talking about the widow women. They've lost their husband. They're living on a fixed uh, pension. Uh, they have no kids, or maybe they do have kids, and they've forsaken the mother, and they're barely making it. Um Folks, there's a lot of people out there starving, go to bed hungry every night. And many of us have been very fortunate to you know, eat three meals a day. When every, every time you eat, you need to think that there's, there are people right now with nothing. So number one is give to the poor. And um, i tell you a couple ministries that I really believe in and just give you some suggestions. So say, well, Omega, um, you got any suggestions? Yeah. I give some to you. Handofhelp.com. That is the ministry of Michael Boldea that Dimitri Duman started, and it's a Romanian orphanage. And I can tell you that I've checked them out. I've, I've uh, 
I've um, basically worked with them over the years, and I can tell you that if you send something in there, they don't keep it. It goes right to uh, the widows, the orphans, and uh, those in disaster over there. That's a great ministry, handofhelp.com. Also, messiahsbranch.org. That's the ministry of Pastor Dan Caitlin in Wichita, Kansas. And once again, folks, this is a real man of God, a real mission to the homeless, a city of six to 800 churches. And they still have homeless people out there, and the churches shut the doors on them. They look at them, you know, with their nose up in the air. What do you, you know, something must be wrong with you. You're living on the street. I mean, it shouldn't be, folks, but that's the way they treat the people over there. Many people are living under bridges. Then the police come by, and they'll steal their, their bags and sleeping bags so to run them off, and they have nowhere to go, and they come back again, and they'll be there in another month or two, freezing under a bridge, and there's a story of one guy so cold, uh, spiders would come up and crawl on him, and he couldn't even brush him off, and a rabbit came out and bit him. He couldn't even fend himself, defend himself, and people dying under the bridges. Folks, it shouldn't be the case, but it is. And if you go out and you help the poor, give them a pair of shoes, donate a sleeping bag, a winter coat, Fifty dollars, you know, to can resupply their um, mission over there and make egg sandwiches and sloppy joes and all the stuff that they feed the people over there. I mean, you know, God will bless you. He says it. God cannot lie. God is not a man that he should lie, but he watches over his word to perform it. If God says he didn't have pity upon the poor and lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he has given will he pay him again, God will do exactly that. Okay. But, Omega, I'm giving to the televangelist. Uh, I send money into the big ministries, and uh, I'm not going to do any headhunting tonight, folks. I'm just going to suffice to say, God gave me a word the other day about that. I was riding down the road listening to the Bible on tape, and I was playing Proverbs. I said, you know, I'm going to play Proverbs today. I want to pick up some wisdom from the smartest guy that ever lived, King Solomon. And I hear the verse, Proverbs 22:16. He that oppresses the poor... To increase his riches, okay, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Folks, if God has blessed you, you have an obligation to help the poor. And if you're not helping the poor with that, instead you're sending it to a televangelist who is rich beyond compare, then you're going to come to want. That's what Proverbs 22.16 says. But but sow the seed and a thousand dollar seed. God's telling me there's ten of you or there's a hundred of you now. If you sow that, He's going to multiply it, folks. That's a sales pitch by a professional con man. And what you're going to do is you're going to give money to him so that he can buy the larger jet or go and finish the completion of the the million dollar mansion that they're building in Louisiana or in. California, or we can go on and on, folks. One man has over 15 jets and his own private airport and rotary wing helicopters and has taken the money from the widow's might and bought oil wells and they, they live extravagantly, $10,000 a night hotel rooms. Folks, this should not be. Those are rich men. And they'll cry and say, but I need a million dollars to pay my airtime. Folks, believe me, the people who cry that they're poorest the most are the ones that are the richest. There's some of these guys that are reputed to have several hundred million dollars overseas right now. When the bottom funds falls out, they will go out there, they'll jump on their jet, and then they go over and retire. Fiji and places like that. What I'm saying to you is you don't give to the rich because you will surely come to want. 
These televangelists are rich by and large. Are there some exceptions? Yeah. But I, I can tell you if you ask them to show you their books and they're not willing to openly divulge all of their financial information, they've got something to hide. And that's the problem with most of these. Remember the Senate hearings? They 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 uh, they, they started to raise a stink. Bless God. We're not we're not regulated by the government. This is a five oh one C three. Folks, don't waste your money. Okay, because you'll spend your last dime, as many have, they go bankrupt. They call and say, will you pray for me? I've lost everything. You'll never get through to them. You can't call those people at 12 o'clock at night when you have an emergency and you need someone to pray or your, your child is suicidal. You need someone to rebuke the demon out of them. Or someone has died, you need them to preach your funeral. Okay, enough said there. Give to the poor, because God's already promised to give back. Let me quickly go to number two. Bless Israel. Bless Israel. Genesis 12.3. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Folks, Israel is the apple of God's eye. God gave the land of Israel to Abraham and his seed in a covenant. God does not break his word. God is going to restore Israel. The time of the Gentiles is coming to an end, and then God is going to bring his people back. Okay, uh, yes, they have been forced to give away their land due to wicked American presidents and Israeli presidents, and you know one of them is in a coma over there right now. And I don't know what's going to happen. I know they're going into a war, but folks, that land belongs to Israel. Okay? that God gave them, and you need to support them. Not to mention, that's our brothers and sisters. We're grafted into the olive tree, and we are now part of the commonwealth of Israel, Jew or Gentile, who are believers in Jesus Christ, Yeshua. That's our brethren. And so it dawned on me, wait a minute, Genesis twelve three, huh? If I bless Israel, God will bless me. Well, God cannot lie. So I started, when I had money, I started supporting a... Uh, a Jewish organization that was that I knew was going to help Israel. And I believe, folks, that's a, actually a, a way to double your money. If you're going to tithe, um, you're going to give to the poor. Try also giving to the poor of Israel. There's a lot of poor people over there. I've been there twice, and I've looked. And just as it was in the day, day of Paul when he was taking up offerings for the brethren, folks, you're going through some hard times over there. There's a lot of people been displaced. People say, well, the Jews are rich. Well, a lot of Jewish people have been blessed with some intelligence and some witty inventions, and, you know, they're blessed people. And there's a lot of wealthy Jewish people. There's a lot of poor, too. Okay? And so if you bless Israel, I believe you get a double blessing. Not only will if you bless the poor in Israel, will God bless you because you're lending to the poor, but he's also got to give because of Genesis 12.3. So that's just a thought. And uh, what are my top picks? My top picks would be Jerry Golden, thegoldenreport.com. You ever heard of them? There's a second Holocaust coming, folks, and God gave Jerry Golden the vision that there'll be a time that the airports will be shut down in Israel and you won't be able to get in. And what's going to happen is they're going to have to be picked up. So he's setting up a rescue operation. And you can invest in Israel and the saving of Jewish lives 
in the boat project. That's all I'm at liberty to say. Check out the website. But I can tell you that uh, I've checked them out personally. I've seen the boats. I can tell you that it's the real deal. And um, God bless Al Cuppet for introducing me to Jerry Golden, but the goldreport.com. There's also one called uh, yadeliezer.org. Y-A-D-E-L-I-E-Z-E-R.org. Benjamin Rook turned me on to that one. And I can tell you that you can go over there and if you check them out, you can you can um, get fifty dollars. You can that will feed uh, a child for a month, a baby that doesn't have formula. You can help the widows and the orphans over there, and they've got accountability, so it gets to the people. So it's just some some of my top picks. Bless Israel. Um, number three, we've mentioned give to the poor. We mentioned blessing Israel. Number three is give to the deliverance ministry. Malachi 3.10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. you never heard of that, have you? Well, sure you have. Everybody said, well, that's, uh, that's just your average church. Well, I got a new revelation on it. I heard a guy named Mati Mulkey say, if you go back and do a word study, the storehouse was an armory. Okay, of weapons. And if you look at it in modern context, because, you know, again, they didn't have really churches back then. They had the temple in Israel. But uh, if you look at it in the context, and I can't quite articulate it like he did, but the gist was it's the deliverance ministry. What did Jesus call us to do? He called us to go cast out demons. That was the first thing. Speak in, un- speak in new tongues. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Those were the, you know, preach the gospel, raise the dead, feed the poor. But there was a reason that he mentioned that number one, and I believe because it's, so, it's, it's one of the most important things you can do. And uh, it sets people free that can then go out and do ministry. It saves people from suicide. It, it saves homes from being broken apart. It keeps people from getting sexual diseases. Um, a whole list of things happen when you get involved in the deliverance ministry and you cast out these demons. My point is, nobody is supporting them. I have seen two ministries firsthand. Folks like Pat Holliday, I went in there and they had ten people. One night they had three. Yet people from all over the city were coming in there for help. Ready to be committed to insane asylums. Ready to commit suicide. Pastors that were under attack. And they would sneak in there and they would get deliverance and they'd go back without so much as a, th- a thank you. Praise Jesus. Um, folks, it's not a popular message, yet they're doing the, the work that nobody wants to do, that we're all called to do. I went to another one. They had 30 people on Sunday. You compare that to some that have thousands. It's the message. It's not popular. People don't want to be confronted with the fact that they have demons. It's not anything to be ashamed of. Just confess your sin, close the gateway, hone in on what it is, and command it to go in Jesus' name. We've got deliverance. It's the children's bread, but nobody's supporting them. And yet it's, I think it's the most important facet of ministry. Evangelization has went out all over the world, folks. But what truly changes people's lives after they've received Christ is deliverance, because other than that, they're still held back by some of the same things they had 
plaguing them before they accepted Christ. And, uh, you know, they're ineffective. Whereas if you can get somebody stripped of their demons uh, and get them ramped up in the ministry, I am telling you the truth. If you helped a person, you're going to reap in that harvest. One sows a seed, one waters, they both reap the harvest. So I believe that um, if you want to be really blessed, bless the deliverance ministry. Uh, how do I know this? Because I know a guy who said, you know what, I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to tithe into a deliverance minister in the Philippines. And the minister said, you know, the harvest is you know, white, the fields are white, and we've got no finances to get out there and train people on deliverance to do crusades. And he started to sow some seed out there into this deliverance ministry, and hundreds have, been, have come in, have learned about deliverance, been won to Christ, they're turning the tide on the enemy over there in the Philippines. And he said he's got more jobs than he can handle. God just poured out the windows of heaven on him. And I said, whoa, that's a great ministry to get behind, isn't it? And you can do it. I mean, uh, there's there's plenty of opportunities. And, you know, it's, it's like the bus has stopped. Nobody's sitting on it. Jump on board. Plenty of room to get involved in supporting the deliverance ministry. Nobody supports them. Everybody sends money to the televangelist, and then they don't get back what they were promised and you wonder why? God says you give to the poor, don't expect anything back. So some of you said, well, you're talking past tense. No, I continue to practice what I'm preaching. And um, I'm going to tell you that's what sustained me. I believe that's, that's what will sustain me now, and that's what will sustain you now. Given it shall be given unto you. God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so you say, well... You know, um, but, uh, you know, that's unscriptural. You know, that was the Old Testament. Tithing's not for today. Uh, let me read a scripture to you. This is the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to have left the other undone. Did you hear that? You should not have left the other undone. They were tithing in the New Testament. There you go, folks. So, yes, there is a biblical precedent to tithe in the New Testament. Jesus said, you shouldn't leave the other undone. You're saying, well, I'm, I'm poor as a hain. I'm broke. When you say poor as a hain in the South, that means you don't have a penny. Okay? God will work with whatever you got. Let me read the um, verse over in Mark 12, 41, 44. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which made a far farthing. And Jesus called unto his disciples and said, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into their treasury. For all they did cast in their, of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all in living. Folks, you might have a widow's might, but that's as, as much as someone had a million dollars and tithed on it. You know, because you're obedient. Start with what you got. Got to start somewhere. That's what God told me. I, I said, God, I want to. I just want to ramp up and go to the next level fast. This is not moving fast enough, you know. He said, work with what I've given you. It was a sobering message. And I'm meditating on this even now as, you know, today is 
I decided to bring this program about that uh, I really believe this is the way to get out of uh, financial trouble. I think this is a way to prosper during hard times. You're going to do what other people will call you crazy to do. What do you mean you're giving? Uh, we're saving what we got. We don't know if, when the bottom is going to drop out. Folks, giving it should be given unto you. God cannot lie. There is no better investment than in the kingdom of God, doing what he's called you to do, blessing the poor, blessing Israel, and I believe blessing the deliverance ministry out there. You can't go wrong with that. That's better than any interest you're going to get putting it into a savings account or hoping to buy gold and silver and sell it. I've been in the gold and silver before. And, uh, yeah, you can make a little bit of money in that, but uh, that's all going to rust and corrode one day. Not to mention, we're not just talking about reward here on earth, but when you do the ministry of the Lord and you sow in his kingdom and his work and their souls saved, you're going to reap a harvest that's in heaven that you have no idea how fantastic it's going to be. Like one guy said, he says, don't worry. God keeps good accounting records. And uh, so, just some food for thought tonight. That would be my advice. Uh, Others may say, invest in stocks, put it in a money market, hide it under your mattress, buy gold, silver, buy bullets. Folks, there is no better investment than the kingdom of God. And I know that for a fact from personal experience. That's what sustained me as long as it did. And, um, again... If you got a dollar, give ten cents. Um, maybe have a neighbor. Give him a bag of rice. Maybe you see some kid with no shoes. Give him some shoes. Or he's got an old beat-up coat. Give him a coat. You know, they need all the same things you and I need. Uh, I will put some of these links up in the show notes, and these are ministries that I have checked out firsthand. Uh, I'm a part of, and I also want to tell you one other. I, I meant to put this into the uh, first category of to the poor. I want to tell you about a special project in the few minutes remaining. Um, and I want you to pray about this. About uh, a year and a half ago, uh, I learned about a minister named Brother Joshua in India, over in Vizag. India is a country populated by Muslims and Hindus. In fact, they fight. If you ever saw the movie Slumdog Millionaire, a great movie, it shows you <laughs> how vicious they can be. And this was a man, he's got, two, he's got two doctorates, okay? Very learned man, comes from a Hindu family, but he came to Christ because his grandfather was a Christian. And his grandfather was a king and gave up his inheritance to follow Christ. And um, his son, Joshua, went out and uh, forsake all and followed Christ. And over there, that's a death sentence because you get no jobs. They only give it to the Hindus. And this is a man that lives very humble. And by the grace of God, he's still alive over there. And all he wants to do, folks, is uh, minister to the street kids. There are kids over there just like in that movie. They'll be on the street for a few weeks until they're, they're kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery, raped. It's sad, but it's true. And uh, my mother went over there, met the guy, and it's a Christian couple. Like I said, I mean, they live in a city just surrounded by demonic spirits and Hindu gods and Muslims, and 
they have to pray before they go out of their apartment because it's that dangerous over there. But uh, they will not forsake God. And there were four of them, the parents and and their their two grown daughters and son. And you know you just can't get a job over there because they won't hire you as a Christian. So they'll sleep on one room, on one floor. They drink uh, they drink water that has um, leeches in it. Very poor water conditions. Um, they have no refrigeration. So when they cook some rice, they have to wake up several hours throughout the night and keep recooking it because there's no place to store it. And if you didn't keep recooking it, bacteria would uh, form and they would get sick and die. So they, they can't afford to throw it out. That's all they got. So they'll take turns and they'll get up and keep reheating it several times until they have it for breakfast the next day. Can you believe that? Never heard of that, but it's true. Well, my mom went over there. Uh, she had a burden for India. My grandmother had a burden and um, was never able to get over there, so my mom fulfilled the vision. My mom goes over there, meets them, and I investigated them, and we uh, started to work with them. And what I found out there was a need for is feeding the street kids. They call them the untouchables. It's the lowest caste system in India, and they're kids that nobody wants, little orphans. You know, as young as a couple years old, to even babies. And um, they live on the street. The government doesn't even help them. So what we did is uh, we put together a program, and Brother Joshua will go over there, and he'll round up as many of the kids as he can, and he takes them over into a park. And he goes in there, and what he does, he sits them down, and they sit on their sit on the ground, cross their legs, and and what he'll do is he'll feed them, and he'll feed them rice, a curry dish, uh, give them an egg, um, something to drink, and um, and they fill their tummy. Some of these kids they haven't eaten in days or on the verge of death. And he'll feed them, and then what he does is their stomach's full, and then he preaches the gospel. He'll get them to raise their hands and praise Jesus. He'll lead them through songs. And you say, well, how do you know that all this is happening? Because we get it on, um, we get photos every time. And we went over there, and uh, my mother's seen it firsthand, and we checked these guys out, believe me. I did my due diligence. So I said, brother, um, what do you want to do? He said, I just want to do what we're doing. I want to feed the kids. It's not about me. I just want to feed the kids. And I found out that for $200, we can feed 100 kids. And what we do is we go down to a hotel there, that cooks the curry. They cook three different kind of curries with meat in these big old pots, and then the hot rice, and then so like some eggs. They love eggs over there, and then a drink. And they come out there, and uh, we'll feed a hundred kids. So it's like two dollars a head. I get the photographs, and uh, what we find out is word starts to spread, and just people start running in. Widows, old men. People haven't eaten anything in a long time. They're emaciated. They come in there and um, they sit down and they're blessed. And they're taught the word of God and they praise Jesus in a Hindu country. And um, the word says, you know, how can you preach to someone if their bellies are empty? First you feed them and then you preach to them. That's what Jesus did. So um, what I started to do is I started to save my tithe money. And as I had money, what I would do is I would um, send $200 to Brother Joshua. They'd go out and buy the food. And typically, uh, they would do the services on a Sunday over there. 
and then I would get photos back the next week. And it's not the same photos, folks. I mean, this is the real stuff. It's happening. We've got valve verification. In fact, I ho- I'm hoping to go over there soon uh, when I'm able to, and I want to film it, and I want to pray for the kids, and we're going to do some deliverance out there and take spiritual warfare to the streets of Isaac. Pray for me when we do that. That's going to be quite a trip. There's going to be demons manifesting everywhere. But we're going to feed the kids and rescue them. And hopefully one day we hope to get an orphanage going if we've got enough time. But my point is it only takes $200, and I can't do it by myself. And so, you know, when I'm able to, I do it. But uh, we need your help. If someone would like to uh, sponsor or be a part of it, you know, if we could get uh, 20 people to give 10 bucks, we could feed uh, 100 kids. And I'll send you photographs. You can put them up on your website and show them to your friends that you partnered in that. And, uh, you know, you're seeding in a soul. You know, God loves the little children. You know, he said, you know, suffer the little children come unto me. If you ever hurt one of these, you might as well put a millstone around your neck and throw it into the ocean. And, you know, we'll go out to the movies. Uh, we'll go to go out and get a steak, go to the mall and buy tennis shoes. And, you know, $100 is nothing these days, folks. But uh, that'll go a long way to feed 100 kids who, who will probably die uh, because there's no food and or have to sell themselves into sexual slavery as they're doing the slumdog millionaire. And they'll, they'll put their eyes out and they'll turn them into beggars on the side of the street. That's their fate, folks, if someone doesn't care. But that'll touch God's heart. If you're doing something like that, you're helping the poor, even in your neighborhood, okay? You don't have to invest with me in India. I'm just saying, if someone you want to get behind it, that's a one I checked out, and that's one I'm involved in. You know, God will remember you when you need something. And you may have everybody else around you just collapsing that's in the world. But God will say, yeah, they helped, they helped the poor, and I'm going to perform my word. They lent to the poor. They gave the poor. It says, if you lent to God, he shall repay. So that's my advice tonight. Bless the poor. Bless Israel. And help the deliverance ministers. And just as Rick Wiles took the time when nobody else would respond and sent me an email and said, if you want to get a radio show, try Blog Talk Radio. Any soul that comes in or any uh, ministry that we do, the brother has seeded into it. He's going to reap a reward on it that uh, he cannot even fathom till he gets to heaven. And so anybody else who gets involved in this ministry or who does the true ministry, God keeps good books. So if anybody would like to get behind any of these projects, I'm going to put some links up there. Get a hold of them. I've checked them all out. They're all good. You know, maybe you got a dollar. <laughs> well, give a dollar. You know, remember the widow's might. It's not the quantity. It's uh, it's the it's what God is giving you the opportunity to give. And you say, well, man, I need a financial breakthrough. I've been saving some money. Well, put it feed some poor. It's a better investment than putting it in the bank. So, at any rate, uh, that's my word for tonight. Bless the widows, bless the orphans, bless those in disaster, bless Israel. Bless the kids in Vizag, India. I would like to get up to the point where we could do a feeding every week. I would basically need 20 people to give $10. What I would do is uh, I would send it over, and I would have them go out and feed them every Sunday. That's what I'd like to do. Um, Can't do it alone. And uh, that's my my word for tonight. That's what got me through hard times. That's what's going to get me through the hard times going forward. Believe me, I'm not tithing to the big televangelist and lose 
what I've invested, I'm investing in the sure thing. That's the kingdom work of God. So um, that's it. That's my uh, much my word for tonight. If any of you would like to uh, get some more information, like to get involved with me, email me at uh, Shannon at uh, OmegaManRadio.com. We're going to have uh, some good programs for you, I hope, this week. Uh, I usually only book about a week out, so I send out a bunch of invitations today. You know, it's just me over here, folks. I have no producer. I have to book them. I have to uh, wear about ten hats and uh, and still work during the day. And uh, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get uh, up to speed and, you know, keep this momentum going. When I mean, we could just scale back to one show a week and do an hour a week, but look, those shows that do that, I mean, they do 52 shows in a year. We've done that in two and a half months. And, uh, you know, one hour a week's not enough. One hour a night's not enough. We need at least two to three hours, especially <laughs> when I get on there and I meander. Uh, you asked me for my life story, you better be specific. I might start back to when I was six months old. Actually, I remember back to when I was two months old. Uh, two, excuse me, two years old. Not six months old, but how how far back can you remember? That'd be a good show. What do you remember? So uh, with that, uh, God bless you tonight. I uh, hope you have a, a great day tomorrow. And I want to thank you for tuning in this week. God bless you. And we're going to be doing uh, some good programs. I want to do one this week called Warfare Prayers. We're going to uh, do some intercession over the air and uh, start attacking the host of hell. Love to hear from you. If uh, the Lord blesses you with a healing, with a financial blessing, you get a testimony you'd like to share with us, um, email it to me. Let me know. Love to hear from you. God bless you and keep you. And I'll see you on the next uh, Mega Man show. Thank you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at OmegaManRadio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio. Oh.